If this is your first time listening to one of these podcasts, or just one in the series for you, if I would say the word prayer and ask you to go back to your very first experience of prayer, it might be something like this one is for me. I was four or five years old and a picture pops into my mind. My sister and I shared a room with twin beds. We are both in our pajamas on our knees facing each other. Our heads are bowed, our hands are folded, and we are repeating the words, Now I lay me down to sleep. You probably know the rest of that prayer. Sometime, not long before that, my family joined the church I grew up in. My mother had already been baptized, but we kids and my dad were baptized on that Sunday, and I can still picture that experience in my mind. I guess we were taught that prayer after that, and it was my first memory of prayer. Later, as I grew up, it became the Lord's Prayer that I memorized and shared in unison with the congregation. There was another prayer in the church that the pastor said out loud, but I could never understand it. It was filled with these and thous and other fancy words and went over my head every Sunday. All I learned was to bow my head and think of something else while he said those words. And for years, that was my experience of prayer. But that's not what I want to talk to you about today. I am Reverend Susie Knedlick, and Reverend Judy Shepard and Deanna Schatz and I want to share with you some thoughts on prayer through silence. And I don't know about you, but there hadn't been much silence or time for silence in most of my life at least not until the last four months after my husband died. It has taken some work for me to find silence in my life, and it hasn't always been easy. But there was a point I came to when saying, now I lay me down to sleep, or our Father who art in heaven, or listening to someone else from a pulpit saying something with a lot of these and thous in it that seemed to have nothing to do with me, was not enough. I needed God to know what was going on with me as a person and to know it in my own words. I had to find some space for silence, not just for me to say the words I wanted to hear God say in my own language, but also to listen to what God had to say to me. That takes more time. Sometimes I was just by myself somewhere and felt drawn to God in ways I cannot explain. But finally, I had to develop a routine that found time for silence and God. As you have read in the Bible about the life of Jesus, you realize how crazy his life was. But he always found time to go off by himself and have time with God. We never know what he said to God, although we have a few words from his prayer in the garden, which may have been just put in much later since all the disciples around him were asleep and back at a distance. But we know his time with God enabled him to do things that could only be done because of that time he spent in silence with God. And perhaps that could be true for us, too. I want us to try a little experiment. I'm going to give us a minute of silence, and I want you to just get in a comfortable position. Set aside anything you might have waiting for you after this podcast and close your eyes. Be aware of the warmth of God's love surrounding you. You can imagine yourself in a refreshing pool or water or lying on the beach with ocean waves washing over you. 
You might visualize a tree gently swaying in the breeze. You might allow yourself to slowly rock from side to side as if you were being cradled. Just let God's light seep gently into every part of your body, just as water soaks into a sponge. Recognize that God's presence fills your entire being. Just love God with all your heart and mind and soul. Amen. I imagine one of two things happened when you did this. Either you wish you had more time than a minute for this experience, or that much silence just overwhelmed you and your mind went crazy with a million or so other things, so there really wasn't time for you to feel God's presence. Roberta Bondi, who was one of my seminary professors at Emory, once said, you cannot have a relationship where one person does all the talking. Do you want a relationship where both of you are involved in the conversation? Judy and Deanna are going to share some ways that enable you to experience more silence and listen to God on your journey and shut out some of that noise around you. When Lynn asked Deanna and Susie and I to record a podcast on silent prayer, the word that stood out for me was silent. Now, silence for an ENFJ on the Myers-Briggs is just not something that go together. And you know something? I used to be an extrovert way, way off the chart. And I can tell you that I had a real aversion to silence. My name is Judy Shepard. You know, the first real silence that I observed was on my Emmaus walk. And I must tell you that I failed that miserably. In fact, I was removed from the group by a team member. All the while, I thought she hated silence too. But honestly, she was trying to keep me from spoiling everyone else's time. Well, time passes, and I go on to the Academy for Spiritual Formation in 2003. I honestly thought I was feeling good about silence until I got to the first week, and I realized that two-thirds of the Academy is spent in silence. Can you believe that much time in silence? Well, it just goes to show you that you can teach an old dog new tricks. Because you see, at the age of 53, I was called to silence. Yes, I do believe that we are called 
to certain spiritual disciplines and practices. And this extremely difficult one for me was the one such discipline that I was to learn. But it was in my second academy in 2015 where my actual love, if you can call it that, skyrocketed. In fact, my second year project was to set up and to lead silent retreats. Let me tell you something. I love silent retreats. And they were absolutely amazing. People would come to a three-day or a four-day silent retreat with so much trepidation. And when it came to the closing time to break the silence with the Eucharist and the Lord's Prayer, it was like nobody wanted to go first. Like maybe we could just savor just a few more minutes of this precious time, this silence. Silent retreats are just an amazing thing once you get past the first one. Now, after I left the academy, I went back to the community of the mantle. I started after my first academy and somehow never continued. But after my second academy, I went back to the community of the mantle. And this is a group where if you want to grow spiritually, you just need to come. It meets the third Monday of every month. The website is thecommunityofthemantle.com, and I urge you to check it out. You know, my life verse came somewhere early on in this journey. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. It's been my rock. Be still. You know, I know God put that in scripture just for me. Right before COVID hit, I was scheduled to attend my second eight-day silent retreat at Sacred Heart. Eight days of silence. Eight days of no talking. Eight days, no whispering. But I can't even begin to tell you how I mourned that cancellation. You see that sweet spot. That spot deep down within my soul yearns for that beloved time when I can just sit and bask at the feet of my Lord. I read a book by Kathleen Norris. It's entitled Amazing Grace, a Vocabulary of Faith. And in this book, she takes words like eschatology, antichrist, mystic, trinity, faith, Christ, grace, orthodoxy, righteousness, Silence. These are just a few of the words, and she defines them, but not with a definition. She defines them in story. In story. No wonder, no wonder Jesus told parables, because that's how we remember. In story. Let me tell you what she told me that I will remember from her story on silence. Silence reminds me to take my soul with me everywhere I go. Take my soul with me. I pray my ears will always be listening so I can practice the presence of God. Shalom, my friends. Hello, I'm Deanna Schatz, a retired elementary school teacher, and I learned a long time ago that silence and solitude are what I need in order to place myself at the feet of the master teacher. 
That's where I can hear him and allow him to change me little by little into the Deanna he wants me to be. As a teenager, I had an experience where people prayed for me to speak or pray in tongues. Even as an adult, a couple of friends said the same thing to me. One said I needed to practice speaking in tongues, which I thought was a little odd. Well, since I never have spoken or prayed in tongues, I went through a lot of years wondering if something was lacking in my relationship with Christ. Then a Catholic friend introduced me to Centering Prayer, and I later attended a silent retreat where I learned about breath prayer. Once I discovered that silence is the language of God, I felt so free, and I felt more confident in my own spiritual growth and in my own spiritual journey. Father Thomas Keating began the Centering Prayer movement in an effort to renew the teaching of the Christian tradition on contemplative prayer. His book, Open Mind, Open Heart, The Contemplative Dimension of the Gospel, is a must-read for anyone who's drawn to contemplative prayer. The goal is divine union with God by withdrawing our attention from the ordinary flow of our thoughts. We seek not only silence from the noise of the world around us, but silence from the noisy soundtrack of our own thoughts through the use of a sacred word of our own choosing. Richard Foster, in his book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, says that contemplative prayer immerses us into the silence of God and that it is the one discipline that can free us from our addiction to words. When I first began centering prayer, I faithfully practiced it for 20 minutes twice a day. I didn't tell anyone, even my husband, what I was doing. I literally closeted myself alone indoors or I would go outside somewhere to pray. After several months, another spiritual friend mentioned to me that she had sensed a change in me for the better. She described a peace, calmness, or spiritual centeredness that I had not noticed in myself. I knew then that centering prayer had opened me to God's invitation in Isaiah 55, verse 3. That invitation is to incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. Eventually, God opened a door for me to help facilitate silent retreats at Sacred Heart Benedictine Monastery in Coleman, Alabama. To quote Keating again, the experience of interior silence or resting in God is beyond thinking. It's beyond images and emotions. The only way to judge this prayer is by its long-range fruits, whether in daily life you enjoy greater peace, humility, and charity. If you begin to relate to others beyond the superficial aspects of social status, race, nationality, religion, and personal characteristics. In this prayer, we confront the most fundamental human question, and that is, who are you, Lord? And in this prayer, we wait for the answer. If you feel nudged to learn more about the practice of this prayer, you can do two or three things. One, Google Contemplative Outreach Birmingham to find out about programs, resources, and centering prayer retreats they offer. 
Second, you can visit the Sacred Heart Monastery website at shmon.org and see what their retreat center is offering. They frequently host beginning, intermediate, and advanced retreats led by Contemplative Outreach Birmingham. Or if you just want to start simply by being with God in silence and solitude, go to umcna.org and check out the programs and retreats. Here you can find out how to register for a silent retreat with Susie and myself. Mother Teresa said, Jesus is always waiting for us in the silence. In this silence, he listens to us. It is here that he speaks to our souls. And there we hear his voice. Let's close with a prayer. Jesus, lover of our souls, thank you for being with us in the silence. Draw us to you in silence so that we may listen to you and live. Amen. Amen.